Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And And you're you're about about to get get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 157 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood episodes 10 through 12, where FMA is still sad. We go to Filler Valley Ed and Al learn all about the circle of life. Look, I know that you want me to make a reference to The Lion King, but I'm not going to make a reference to The Lion King. Instead, I'm going to talk to you about Hamlet. So Hamlet is this play by Shakespeare uh, about a brother and another brother and their lions and one kills the other one by throwing him off a cliff. At least I think that's what's happened. I don't know. I mostly just read the clip notes. Anyways, let's jump in. That just makes me think of the uh, the Office episode where Michael's trying to get them all to tell a story of like when somebody they knew died. And Ryan, like they all start using like movie plots and Ryan's is the Lion King. And Michael <laughs> says something like, oh, that sounds like a really, a really great story. And Ryan goes, yeah, it'd take about 90 minutes to tell the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's quality. Well, hey, everybody. Uh... Uh, we are back this week to talk about more Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and uh we're gonna we're gonna get emotional in the first episode at least but uh, before that what a weird whiplash of emotions we have this week yeah um so so first and foremost we have to talk about the uh the the big big singing dancing elephant in the room which is that we (laughs) have joined another social media platform (laughs) i blake is not a fan i mean yay but we have joined tiktok um it's it seems like a place for people to be able to additionally find the podcast. So if you found the podcast through TikTok, let us know. Um because I'm going to keep on posting yeah. there because it's it's relatively simple to post from the stuff that we make already cuz uh our 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 platform that we use to post on is called Buzzsprout and they have a a tool for making like little audiograms that are like, you know, 60 second clips. Um, so it's, they look nice and I can just post them directly onto TikTok. So it's just, it's helpful. So my, my question for you, the audience is that if you have any of your favorite moments from the show that you think might get other people interested in the show, because you like this thing and you want other people to like this thing, please send me over those moments. Let me know the episode and about what the time of the episode part of it is. So if you're listening to one recently and you're like, that was a funny moment, let me know. Um, you can join us on Discord to drop a line about it. Um, you can find us on, you know, the other 11 social media platforms we're on. You can even find us on TikTok. Yeah. Um, so just please. Does it, does it have a private? I don't use me. TikTok. Does it have like private messaging or something? I think like so. Instagram or something. Maybe. Something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're just, we're getting too old. We're both in our 30s. Spencer is a father. Uh, I'm grouchy. It's you're a, like you're a now... father of sorts of a cat and a dog. Uh, yes, I have a cat and a dog. That and, counts. And some point uh, you'll make a chimera of it, which will be a cat dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just uh, now I have the cat dog theme song stuck in my head. 
<laughs> I'm very <laughs> I'm very much like transitioning into not being on the cutting edge of things uh, with like, you know, social media and music and shit like that. You know what happens when you get older and you stop being involved in whatever's the new shit that all the kids are talking about and you say things like all the kids and uh i don't know i just don't get it like tiktok to me is just instagram plus vine we already had both of those things although r.i.p vine but tiktok does not have the limitations that vine had which i think made uh people the good people on vine because you know you can post on any of these things without really putting any effort or thought into it but the people who really did a great job on there i think utilized the 10 second limitation to their advantage mm-hmm. and it sort of spurred creativity tiktok doesn't have that and that's not to say there aren't good people on tiktok even though i don't use tiktok i do know of some tiktok people that i think are funny uh but if i can help it i will find them on something that's not tiktok yeah because i don't i will say like tiktok and i don't want it and you know but that's the thing when you're putting out a show you have to go everywhere. So yeah. here we are. We're on TikTok. Yeah, I will say the most annoying one and just a, a quick soapbox th- box thing that Blake Blake and I can both agree is probably the most annoying thing on TikTok. It's not the people dancing and it's not the people like singing along with stuff and it's not even the people that are like doing the, the duet thing. The thing that irks me the most is that people are like, they they call it hashtag acting and what they are doing is they are lip syncing lines from a show and pretending to act like they are saying them and i'm like that is not acting just like lip syncing is not singing they are (laughs) different things you are lip syncing someone's acting stuff which i guess is a different talent but acting is very different than what you are it's, doing. It's very there's different. There's a delicate balance because I think that I think sort of what you're getting at, Spencer, is that there is a frustrating sect of content in these services. That, and that also shows up on like YouTube and all this stuff, which is basically people doing no effort uh reruns of things other people have done yeah and passing it off as something new so that they get the credit uh i know actually my husband has mentioned a few of these definitely not on tiktok because i he does not have tiktok either but probably on youtube or some shit he's like or maybe instagram facebook somewhere around the internet you know he's seen videos of like people posting themselves lip-syncing an old onion video and it's like that's already a thing and you you lip syncing it like there's a difference between taking a line and adding it like this is one of the things i think that was really fun about vine not everybody liked it but i'm the kind of person who enjoys a good meme and part of the enjoyment of the meme is seeing this familiar thing show up in a new place that you know gives it a sort of like new angle or new life or that brings something that you know and understand and have seen before into an unexpected uh, perspective, just like John Cena. And um, I think that you can take clips or even lip syncs or audio clips or something like that from, from some other piece of media and put them in as parts of, or as punchlines of your thing. But if your whole thing is just 
lip syncing to it and you're not like i don't know doing your makeup or putting on a costume or staging it in some way if you're just looking at your camera and saying you know moving your lips along with the lines it's not you're not doing anything to it and and so for me that comes off as more like you're looking to get credit for somebody else's work i don't like that especially as somebody who is you know one of those creative people who tries to make things periodically i don't love people stealing shit <laughs> and then you know and i don't know some people might debate me on that uh, characterization but I, you know i would say if you take like i don't know i just talked about this moment with ryan from the office if i just played that and lip-synced with it i don't i think that's stealing uh you know or it's low effort and maybe stealing is too extreme because it you know it's theoretically a victimless crime but it, it's just uh it just doesn't do anything whereas like if you take that and make it the joke of something even if the joke involves you lip syncing along to it, if you set it up and you utilize it in a way that like transforms it, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of people and I, I, it makes me especially mad with the old onion videos. Cause I've long been a fan of old onion videos and I'm like, you know, if your thing is lip syncing these things, people are not necessarily going to know where to find them if you're not making that clear. And there, that sort of exacerbates the problem of the kind of like stealing other people's work angle of it. Yeah. Um, well, which is really frustrating. Well, speaking of creators, though, um, I have a couple of them that I've been following this week. Um, our, Tell me. Our anime viewing this week, I, I don't I can't speak for specifically just myself, um, but I'm pretty sure that both of us have experienced this same thing uh, this week, which is that we are uh, frantically watching all of a series and the series after it so that we can talk about it for the Monday episode that's coming up. Um, so that has probably eaten up all of my anime and Blake's anime viewing time. Um, but in the uh, time off that I've had from watching all of that series, I have also been watching a couple of creators that I wanted to point out because I really like them. And I feel like you should like them too. If you, um, <laughs> if you, if you want to, um, a couple of them are people that we are going to be um, actually doing uh, crossovers with, hopefully soon. Um, one of them is uh, AAA, which is Anime Addicts Anonymous, or Ad Anime Addicts, I don't know, maybe it's just Anime Addicts, but <laughs> um, I've been chatting with them uh, about doing a, a crossover episode, and I, I, really, I, I really am excited because I, we, we listen to a quite a bit of uh anime stuff mostly from ourselves but some of it from the people that we've done crossovers with um anime addicts anonymous is one that i have like actually listened to a lot just in my spare time much like blake was just you know always he's always be watching uh some of the anime youtubers um, it, it is one of my podcasts in my actual podcast rotation. Um, I, I, a couple of them that we did crossover with and I've, I've kept along with them. You can check out in our previous episodes, but we haven't done our crossover with them yet, but I, I just wanted to say that. And then the YouTuber that I've been following and he just put out a new video and it made me laugh so hard because it, it reminded me of just the way that you talk about sports. 
is uh, a guy called Ice Cream Sandwich. Have you watched any of his videos yet? No, it doesn't sound familiar. It's he does like these hilariously drawn cartoons. Um, and it's just, Oh, I remember you talking about him. now. Yeah, he does. the. It's just like little bubble things, but the way that he does his comedic timing is very good. Um, and like he does this, he does this one that's well, ironically not going to be ones that is going to be drawn, but instead he, he does it like a mixture of, uh, drawn and in real life where he gets the fidget spinner and he talks about the fidget spinner um, and then by the very end of it, he's just like, and so I ordered a fidget spinner and I don't get what the, all the hype is about. So I decided to try it. And then he's just like, he spins it. And then he just goes like 10 out of 10. And then he ends the video. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like great comedic timing. Um, but his newest one, he talks about like why he isn't into sports and it is very funny. Um, and it's his humor is like right up my alley. Um, and then the last thing that I wanted to plug and point out is that we've started to do fan art Fridays, which is not fan art of our show because nobody does that yet. Um, but no, we've asked for it periodically. Yeah. But um, instead it's just uh, it's, it's fan, uh, it's fan art of other series that I found from different artists I found online. And one of the things that we've tried to do for a long time is just like point out good people that we like so that we can, you know, we can help them and, you know, put good back into the world or at least as much good into the world or point it out that good things are happening. So I, I, I say this with obviously to say they don't owe us anything. It's just us trying to put a plug in for good people. It's not about that. It's just about us talking about good things that we like and maybe you would like. So if you have any of those, you want to be a part of it or you want to point out a good friend of yours that maybe um, wants to be a part of this Fan Art Friday thing, let us know through any of the social media platforms. We will plug them, you know, whenever and whenever. That's what we do. Well, Anyways. on Fridays. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe other days, whatever. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we're making the rules. That means we get to break the rules. Yeah, we're making our way downtown, walking fast and we're homebound. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> do you have anything else? You want to go for it? <laughs> With all that being said, uh, we're going to learn about what happened on Full Metal Alchemist previously. Okay, here we go. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is a story about two brothers. One is a guy named Edward Elric, and the other is a guy named Alphonse Elric. Edward is about 15. Uh, and Alphonse, I think, is like three years younger than him. Um, they have had a real rough past because their mother died, and then they used the magic system of this world, which is called alchemy, uh, to try and bring her back to life. And alchemy, of course, that's a real thing in our world with quotation marks around the word real, which is the, the idea that you can turn one substance into another by just affecting the chemical makeup. The most common example being turning lead into gold. This is not actually possible, although I guess, I don't know, if you're a chemistry wonk, you might argue that the term alchemy is used for natural chemical processes, but it's not It's not a magical cure-all to transform one substance into any other substance. Uh, however, in the anime, uh, it kind of is. You can more or less turn any 
thing into another thing that is made up of the same or similar components. A good example from the series is that our main character, Ed, often will uh, pull the stone, like the cobblestone street around him, into a stone spear that he will fight with. Uh, that kind of stuff happens all the time. So this is obviously just like super supercharged anime version of the concept of alchemy. Uh, one of the things you are not supposed to do with supercharged anime alchemy is try to create a human life, either by making it out of nothing or by, you know, bringing somebody who's dead back. Uh, they did this anyway because they they decided as children that they the rule was probably to stop people who weren't prepared to do so and not for any other reason. Uh, they were wrong about that and they had to pay a heavy cost, specifically there's this idea in alchemy called equivalent exchange, which is that you can't accomplish anything without giving up some equal value thing. And so in order to get back a human life, they gave a human life. Specifically, Ed's brother's entire human body vanished and he had to uh, he had to give up some of his limbs. This is a little bit of a skipping over some things, but he basically had to give up some of his limbs to get the soul of his brother back and bind it to a suit of armor so younger brother alphonse is actually a uh a i don't know discorporated soul that is bound to a suit of armor and animates that to move around the world um edward has lost one arm and one leg that have been replaced with uh an in-universe um uh substance called auto mail which is basically just real strong metal and uh they are on a quest to find this thing called the Philosopher's Stone. And the Philosopher's Stone is a semi-mythical object, uh, although they have found a lot of evidence recently that it does exist. And the Philosopher's Stone is a way to break the equivalent exchange rule. It is uh, able to basically allow you to do all kinds of supercharged alchemy without having to um, pay the cost, as it were. And uh, so they want to find this. Uh, they've given up on the dream of getting their mother back, but they want to want to utilize the Philosopher's Stone to restore their bodies to normal. So Ed will gain his leg and arm back. Alphonse will have his actual human body to return his soul to, and then their quest will be over. In the pursuit of this quest, Edward has become a state alchemist. Uh, that is a branch of the military that is uh you know using alchemy and the uh, they may be used as soldiers in a war but i don't think there's an active conflict right now in this world and so uh, in the meantime they are given basically government grants to do to sort of continue their alchemical research and since ed is something of a prodigy he's able to become that at such a young age and he's utilizing that to find information on the philosopher's stone recently he was in a bit of a kerfuffle about that they discovered that uh, the Philosopher's Stone is kind of fucked up because it's made out of people. Um, specifically, you have to sacrifice a lot of human souls in order to create a Philosopher's Stone. And uh, Edward found that out while investigating a theoretically abandoned, but not actually abandoned, laboratory next to a prison where they fought some, uh, some people that ended up with Edward being pretty badly injured. Uh, he is now recovering in the hospital. Some of the people they fought are some mysterious black-clad folks with a Ouroboros tattoo. Uh, 
Um, they'll come up a little bit. One of those is named Lust. Uh, she is a pretty lady with spiky fingers. And one of them is named Envy, who is a shape changer. And who, what else do you need to know? There's a guy named Colonel Mustang. He is probably the most prominent military member of the cast and is going to be one of our major focuses today, along with a guy named Maze Hughes, who I don't remember his rank. Is he a major? I don't, I don't remember what he is. He's a major. Uh, but Maze Hughes is uh, sort of a dorkable dude in the military who's so obsessed with gushing about how much he loves his wife and his daughter that nobody really takes him seriously. Um, so both, uh, both of them are kind of in Ed and Al's orbit. Maze Hughes is much more in their orbit right now. At this part of the story, Mustang's busy doing his own stuff. And Hughes is one of the people involved in sort of the, uh, unofficial debrief with Ed after his mission while he's in the hospital recovering. And I, I think that's everything you need to know. Uh, Ed and I'll have a childhood friend named Winry who makes and services Ed. Uh, Ed's prosthetic limbs, and she is also in the story. So that's everything, right? Did I miss anything? Mm, whatever. Let's go in. Anyways, episode episode ten, <laughs> episode 10 separate destinations. So uh, first and foremost, this episode is going to start out with our good friend King Bradley. He's gonna be like, "Hey, everybody." I escaped from the people that are trying to follow and protect me. I did this so that I could come into your room and make a quick joke about the Philosopher's Stone and then be like, actually, I'm kidding. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Let me shoot out this window. <laughs> it's just Yeah, like, he, uh, <laughs> this is a guy who is really bad at making jokes. <laughs> yeah, he's not because good at is, making jokes. <laughs> he is, he is the he he's called Fuhrer King Bradley he is the supreme leader of the nation in which they live and uh i i don't think he's perceived as a particularly dangerous or like vengeful leader but he is in charge and so you know these are members of the military who are currently trying to dissect shocking and distressing new information that they got and that they maybe don't want everyone to know about until they know what to do with it. And one of them got severely injured and hospitalized as a result of it. And then their boss, the CEO of their company, <laughs> rolls up and is like, don't go snooping around. Just kidding. Yeah. And it's just like, somebody needs to give this guy an improv class or something like he's not he does not have the uh the thread of how to do a good joke and or when to decide not to make certain jokes in certain situations yeah not everybody has the chops you know <laughs> no i sure don't <laughs> yeah um okay uh, don't just agree with that <laughs> so offended oh so yeah fast. you're terrible anyway <laughs> so offended so fast anyways um ed al and winry are gonna go uh, uh off to see their teacher um but before they're gonna go there they need to make a uh a quick uh, uh a quick plot diversion um <laughs> to to drop off winry in this place called rush valley but don't worry about that for right now because here's the actual important thing that happens inside this episode, which is 
that Hughes is really starting to catch up with what happened inside of the unrest that happened in Lior. Um, if you had forgotten about this, uh, Lior was this town that was being done in by a false, um, he, I, I guess, I guess a false prophet of a false god. Yeah. And he was using the power of a fake philosopher's stone in order to use alchemy without a circle or without equivalent exchange, which it looked like was miracles by the false god that he was talking about. Um, then the uh, bunch of black clad people showed up um and they, yeah i don't know if we've given their official group name yet so i don't want to like spit it out in case no, it, 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 it hasn't been brought up yet and it is a very important right. word that we're not going to talk about for just a minute um but uh the thing that they ended the up meanies doing, yeah the, <laughs> these meanies um they continued to mess around with this town and there's a lot of unrest inside of this town and the military is starting to look into it and starting to figure out what's going on over there. Well, Hughes is like, well, oh, wow. uh, let me look up this, th something that happened while I was still inside of the military. And when he goes to find out these old notes, he is ambushed by uh, lust and lust injures him very badly. Um, but right before she does, uh, he, Basically, at the same time, he throws a knife into her forehead, which stops her cold for a minute before she pulls it But does it not out. kill her. It does not. Um, and then that takes us uh, to Hughes tries to go get in touch with Mustang, but he doesn't uh, call from inside of the building because he's worried that it might be too big of a thing in order to call from a military phone. And so he... Yeah, it's... I don't think this is completely specified, but you can infer it, which I think is a, one of the marks of what makes this a well-told story is that they don't have to lay out everything for you. Yeah. They don't is, sugarcoat he goes it. to, yeah, he goes to a phone bank and there's a woman there who is like, uh, I, I don't know, in charge of the phone bank or something like that. And he's like, I need a secure line. And she's like, okay, well just let me know who you need to call. I can get that set up for you. And he stops before he gives her that information and he's like, on second thought, forget that I was here. Yeah. And that's interesting because this is a, a military outpost with secure lines ready to go. And instead, he makes his way to a payphone just out on the street. Yeah. Uh, a payphone. So before people had cell phones, <laughs> uh, you didn't always have the ability to call people if you weren't at your house or right. maybe your office for the people that and sometimes for people that have watched the show doctor who and they're like that's <laughs> that's a fun dumb blue box that he's running around in well inside of england there are still pay phones and some of them are blue and they are for calling the police specifically and yeah and so if you needed to of use one of those <laughs> If you needed to make a phone call, not either that did not come from your home or office or because you were not at your home in your office and it couldn't wait. Because back in the day, you didn't have cell phones. And so if you just needed to call somebody, it just had to fucking wait. You just had to wait for it. Mm -hmm. uh, you could not call them and there was no texting. Uh, I know you guys. And so you had to go to these pay phones, which were just scattered hither and yore across the land. <laughs> and then you would pay money 
to make a phone call. And then sometimes if you talked for too long, you would have to pay more money or it would hang up on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the world. So he goes to one of these, which yeah. is a really interesting choice. Yeah. So he goes to this payphone and he calls out um, to, to get in touch with Mustang, uh, before he is able to get in touch with Mustang though, he has to give a secure signal to the person on the other line that he is who he says he is. And so he reads it off from his little book that he keeps in his pocket. But before he is able to finish the call and connect with Mustang, um, he is, uh, shot by what looks like, um, another military person that he knows, but it turns out actually that uh, this person is not who they say they are. They are actually envy inside of uh, the person's shape. Um, And before he is able to throw another knife at envy to knock away the gun that is pointed at him, um, envy turns into a, a visage of his wife and he is stopped cold in his tracks just long enough for envy to shoot him uh, and it turns out to be fatal because it kills him. Um, yeah, Envy, she sh- it looks like she shoots him in the heart. Yeah, Envy uh, hangs so he up doesn't the phone. Die. Yeah, he, he doesn't die instantly, but you can see that he is like very fatally wounded and it's not going to take long. He's kind of like bleeding out. Yeah, um, Envy hangs up the phone and leaves him uh, and he dies there in that phone booth. And, uh, yep. it's super... and it's very, very sad. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. So after this happens, we first see Ed and Al and Winry still riding along in the train. I, I think that we see that before it um, or right after it. But anyways, they don't know what happened. Mustang and the rest of the military do. They find out almost immediately after it happens. They Everybody is informed. And there is a funeral that we watch inside of this same episode. And as someone with a small child, uh, it is really brutal to watch somebody, um, for them to watch a wife and a child have to learn about the death and then be at the funeral and the daughter finding out about why her daddy can't get out of the coffin that is being put in the ground. It was horribly, horribly painful to watch. Um, it, yep. it still continues to be one of the the most beautiful moments inside of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood um, is the moment where Mustang is like, oh God, um, a bad day for it to be raining. And she's like, it's not raining. And then he's like, yes, it is. And then he starts to cry. And it is just a really heart wrenching. She's like, moment. "Oh, I see that it is," and it's yeah. so God, it's so good, and just so well. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then the other thing is, you also find out the year that it is. If you'd forgotten, it's nineteen fifty. Oh yeah. Um. Because that is on May's uh May's headstone. Um. And then the last thing that we find inside of this episode is that Armstrong at the funeral is going to talk about Mustang. He is going to inadvertently give away a couple of things. The first Disagree. Is- this is very verdant. <laughs> it just makes it seem inadvertent. Yeah. I I, I you're uh, you're correct, but also it's supposed to be, you know, more more uh cloak and dagger. Um so uh, Armstrong gives away that the uh, the brothers have gone to go uh, do some things and they are searching after something that he cannot talk about. He then gives away things by naming, you know, multiple things that are happening 
um, but not actually naming them. He just mentioned that there are multiple things, and so that gives away another uh, clue from it. It also is given away from the way that Armstrong is told that he must give an answer to Mustang, and he says that he cannot and he will not, which means that somebody that is higher up than Colonel Mustang has given him the order that he cannot speak about this subject. And so that gives Mustang yeah. enough and to that, go and start looking looking into what's going on. That actually harkens back to failed stand-up Fuhrer King Bradley, mm-hmm. because when he came to tell his very ill-advised jokes, he also swore everyone in the room to secrecy about the uh, discoveries that Ed and Al had made regarding the Philosopher's Stone. So that included Maze Hughes. That included uh, Armstrong. That includes uh, Ed and Al, and I think one other person, but I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, uh, he it, Armstrong is almost certainly referring to this in this moment, and I, I wouldn't say that Mustang picks up on that because it's not like he is, you know, one step below Fuhrer King, and that I think is a pretty unlikely guess to make for somebody without any other information. But uh, there's a good chance that that is exactly what Armstrong is referring to. And either way, the fact that he has sort of said he can't tell him in that way is is a clue in and of itself, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. I like that, a lot. I like that kind of like s- clever bending of the rules subterfuge. Yeah. Okay. That takes us into episode 11, Miracle at Rush Valley. And this episode is uh, technically... Um technically filler and the only reason that i say technically technically filler is that there is an important a pretty important thing that happens inside of this episode um and that is uh that winry is going to find her new place inside of where they are um and start to develop the ability to upgrade auto mail um, it's pretty, pretty important for her, um, but it, it, it's also important because the brothers, they they have a, a pretty, I don't know, a, a pretty good experience inside of this, and it kind of builds them up as characters. It moves along the plot, yeah, but not in a my super... My question... I don't know. So... I think you, Spencer, you and I both use the term filler to mean a few different things. And we use it somewhat indiscriminately. The official definition of filler uh, in in regards to anime is stuff in the anime that takes place that did not take place in the source material being adapted, uh, largely or assumptively used for the purposes of stretching the runtime of the anime either by adding to an episode such as dragon ball z's extended power-up sequences or by adding episodes to the episode count which is the kind of thing that we're going to start encountering in naruto coverage and bleach and stuff like that um i haven't read enough of the manga to know is this that kind of filler like does is this an anime only storyline or is it filler from the perspective uh, that I think the less less formal usage that we sometimes utilize, which is uh, a story that doesn't really play into or advance the main storyline at all? I don't know. Tell us if you know about this, huh. oh, people on yeah, Reddit. I know the, uh, the manga, which I know this is another thing that we talked about. I'm not going to go into this very deeply, but 
As we've discussed previously, I just don't remember two Full Metal Alchemist series. This is the second one. I don't remember this plot showing up at all in the first one. Uh, but there are there are way there are stories that the first one told from the manga that Brotherhood decides to skip. In fact, there's a, a blink and you'll miss it reference to one of the most memorable of those for me uh, in this episode. Uh, there are potentially stories from the manga that were not adapted in the initial one. I just, I wonder about this a lot. Yeah. Um, well, if you, I, if you know, yeah. tell us on Reddit, because apparently that's where people go to tell us when we're incorrect about things or should update things. Um, because that's, that's what happens on Reddit. <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, that's on brand. Uh, so you, so one thing that I liked about this is that there's, uh, one of the stronger, I don't know, stronger. One of the earliest character traits that is shown for Edward Elric, particularly in the first series, because they do the Lior story as the first two episodes, uh, but it does come up early on in Brotherhood as well, is that uh, Edward is an atheist. And he he gets this from, you know, alchemy in this universe while, you know, being sort of anime magic is this universe's version of a science. It is built on and around scientific principles. And, uh, you know, when when you're doing alchemy, even though the result can look or seem magical, what it is is an understanding of the makeup of one thing and an understanding of the makeup of what you are trying to make out of that one thing and a kind of, you know, magically scientific translation from A to B. Uh, I think because of this and also because of the um, experiences that Edwards had in his past with like attempting to attempting to utilize human life uh, surrounding his experience with his mother's untimely death and being unable to bring her back. And, you know, the challenges that have that occurred around, you know, the loss of his brother's body. I think a lot of that plays into this kind of like cynical atheism which is maybe like a bit of an unfair trope but uh and it's not being fully evoked here but i think it it kind of runs along alongside that which is that ed just through his experiences and through his studies has come to believe that uh everything can be explained and unexplainable things um don't really occur and that like something like a deity uh and and a religion around it really traffics in the inexplicable and that he can explain his way around it. And you see this again in the Lior storyline that's covered that we've covered in brotherhood. And then I think is covered somewhat more fully in the original series. Uh, All of this is to say, there's a really interesting part in here uh, where Ed and Al are totally helpless because what happens is they go, they go to rush Valley. They, they end up getting waylaid with a group of strangers. And one of those strangers has a baby. And they are unable to help because uh, they are, you know, they're not really invited into the delivering of the baby because they are dudes. And that, uh, you know, would probably not be a very comfortable situation for the mother who's already having her baby delivered by, you know, a stranger. Um, And they have this moment where they're like sitting outside the room while the baby is being delivered. And they're like, "I I feel so powerless and then once the baby is delivered, they're just kind of like bowled over by the miracle of life. And I really like this because the story is about 
you know, the story is based on this event in their past when they tried to create a human life. Granted, one that had, you know, already been created naturally, but they, they tried to recreate it or reanimate it. And it, it failed and failed horribly. And they have been on this journey as a result of it. And now here you have, you know, a child being born in the way that children are born. And it, it's just a smart juxtaposition of who they are and, and what they've been through and sort of what the theme, what one of the themes that the story is built on is about with this moment of like them not having power over this and feeling that something is somewhat miraculous. And I, I think that's one of the great things about Ed is that he has, he has these little contradictions. Like he's experienced things that he can't quite explain and that seem kind of beyond human can. And he, he has this skepticism anyway, but then he has these moments where I think unwittingly he kind of gives into the idea that like there are some things that are miraculous or some things that are inexplicable. And I think this episode does a good job of presenting that without it sitting down and staring you in the face and saying, hey, look at this juxtaposition. Like, it's not about that. But I I picked up on that because I was thinking about him as a character in relation to this this concept here. And I thought it was a really nice touch in an episode that I otherwise found pretty unnecessary. Yeah. So the people inside of this episode that you're going to meet, uh, they have names. One of them is Penina, who has a cool backstory. She was she's uh, not a sandwich. She was maimed when she was a kid and lost her legs and was uh, picked up by this guy named Dominic. Um, Dominic uh, gave her uh, uh, legs, auto male legs, and uh, he taught her to walk again. And she has been trying to pay him back by stealing things. Um, she steals uh, Ed's watch while he is being um, just swarmed by a bunch of fangirling idiots um, who are surrounding him to look at his automail. Um, yeah, the, this place, Rush Valley, it's the it's sort of like the center of automail tech. And so the fact that he has automail limbs means that everybody like celebrities swarms him to check out his prosthetic limbs. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that leads us into this whole like baby subplot thing. Uh, you know, there's that the doctor can't get there in time. Winry has to deliver the baby and it ends with the yeah. episode with Winry staying in Rush Valley to continue training um, while the other two continue on to Dublith. And that takes us into episode 12. One is all. All is one. This episode has. Two of my favorite characters inside of it. Um, and that is their master, which is gonna, uh, named Azuni uh, or Azumi, um, and yeah. also her husband Sid. Um, they are great. Oh, sorry, it's not Sid. Uh, Sig. I got distracted by, you know, Final Fantasy. Um, but they are two <laughs> great characters. Um, uh, Sig is a butcher. I guess. Uh, I guess she is also a butcher, or like she assists him with. I don't know. She might be just uh his his wife because this is kind of you know early nineteen hundreds. It wouldn't be atypical for the 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 woman of the house to not work to be a homemaker. Uh, she also is an alchemical master, so it might be that she just does sort of like alchemy based odd jobs on the side and gonna. It's part of the gig economy, as it were. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, all right. So, I will say, um, okay. 
this episode <laughs> it takes Where a plot line that I really enjoyed inside of Full Metal Alchemist, and it's like let's put it all in one episode. And I was like, yeah, this oh, is, that's I forgot. I forgot how jarringly fast this happened. <laughs> yeah, as I've alluded to in this episode and gone into it in depth in previous episodes where we've covered this show, the original series is better at letting early plot lines breathe if those plot lines also show up in Brotherhood. Uh, yeah. Because Brotherhood seems to have taken the philosophy of this has been done before, so let's not spend too much time on it. And really cuts out a lot of the details. And yeah, very much. I mean, think about it. We're, we're covering three episodes today. These are three entirely disparate storylines. And at least, you know, I would say the Rush Valley episode in the middle isn't super consequential uh, and doesn't have a lot going on. But the first, the first one and this one have tons. Like the Hughes thing, his whole investigation and murder could have been its entire episode. But it takes place after like five minutes of setup that's not related or that's semi-related. And then the second half of the episode is about like the beginning of an investigation surrounding his funeral. Like these are things that just I, I don't want to say necessarily that they don't have time to breathe because I think that that carries too much of a negative connotation about the quality of storytelling in Brotherhood. But I do worry sometimes about these earlier stories being really truncated in a way that is somewhat detrimental to somebody who's not already familiar with the series outside of Brotherhood. Yeah. So, okay. So three things are going to happen inside of this episode. And uh, I, I say that because I truly believe that this is one of those episodes of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, that if you're not watching along with us um, and you're just reliving this, this is an episode that you should go back and rewatch. And the biggest reason why is that it, it, it has three of the most important building blocks for these young characters inside of it. So the first and foremost, probably the most important thing that happens in the entire episode is that the boys stumble upon Azumi and in uh, when they are going to this town and uh, the town is experiencing a flood this flood is not going to be able to be stopped by the townspeople and they're not able to build up the levee fast enough in order to keep the water from coming out. Izumi steps in, she creates a wall from alchemy and the boys convince her by basically not stopping taking, they will not take no for an answer. And so uh, they come. That's not what happens. It's basically what happens. (laughs) <laughs> no, they they don't want to take no for an because this plays into Izumi's reveal at the end of the episode, which is they don't want to take no for an answer. Izumi says no anyway, and then asks them where their families are, and mm-hmm. specifically where their parents are. And one of the townspeople is like, they do not have parents. And uh, immediately upon hearing that, Izumi says, I will take you as students after all. Yeah, like, it's not because they won't refuse. It's not because they refuse to take no. It's because of that information. Okay. Mm, I think it's a bit of both things, but whatever. Um, so- Disagree. <laughs> Reach out to us and tell me who's right and why it's me. 
Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Um, so <laughs> the, the next thing that is going to happen is, uh, a very, very important training montage of the boys on an island, which is the training, the first part of the training to become alchemists underneath. It's not Azumi. just an island. It's a place where dreams happen. Yeah. It's, uh, it's this <laughs> island that it's, it doesn't seem to be super dangerous other than the fact that you have to not use alchemy and you have to hunt and kill and survive for a month as two small boys, um, which is, uh, you know, maybe you'll die. And she's like, she's like, I'll take them on if they're able to succeed. And I was like, do you just mean if they don't die? Because yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know. They man. Leave. This isn't the hunger games. <laughs> they're not under 24 hour surveillance. Like they are alone for 30 days. Yeah. Like if they don't succeed, you don't get the option to take them on because they have died. Yeah, and they've uh-huh. been left inside of a very large lake, and I'm like, I don't know if they could swim through that lake, especially if they're, like, very emaciated by the, yeah. the point that they're like, I need to swim in order to survive. But anyways, they do, they they ended up, you know, killing animals and surviving by eating them, and they make fire at some point, and they connect with each other. And the whole thing that they are being told to do on this island is to um, uh, think about one phrase and to figure out what it means. And that phrase is, one is all, all is one. And it gives us one of the most poignant moments in all of anime. And I swear that a lot of people may have an argument about this, but I swear to God, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood um, has some of the most poignant moments in all of anime history, and this is one where they talk about how the universe is made up of things being broken apart and putting back together. And he has this very long spiel, Ed does, while looking off of the stars with Al, and he talks all about it, and it's beautiful, and it's one of the greatest pieces of... Honestly, it's one of the greatest pieces of the the voice acting cast of the show, because the way that they, the two characters that play Ed and Al um, as older versions also play the younger versions. And they put them in like, they, they do like a little bit more of a high pitched voice when they're doing them. Um, But that's about it. But it's really, really good voice acting and it's really beautifully done. It's beautifully animated. I, I just love the sequence. And it's, it's yeah. one of those that's just like, it sticks with you afterwards where you're just like, it, it's I a- know they're talking about alchemy, but they're also just talking about the way the universe works. And it's, it reminds me of like the way that like, you know, like a Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about the way the universe works, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, this is a, maybe a bit like in the weeds of like screenwriting and stuff, but there, there's this concept of like, you know, really any storytelling is that you, there is something you're trying to explain or explore with the story. And, you know, this, this will show up to varying degrees and varying stories, but many of the best stories are either directly or indirectly kind of ruminating on the human experience. And I think that's one of the things that makes Fullmetal Alchemist uh, so good as a, as a series overall and brotherhood as a good example of, you know, part of that series, which is that it is super philosophical. And I don't know, I think one of the ones that springs to my mind is my hero academia as being a really good show. That's far less 
philosophical and still does a really good job of weaving in sort of real world uh, philosophical considerations into the narrative that it's presenting. Whereas Full Metal Alchemist is a lot more interested in philosophy. And so it gets a little bit more directly next to it and spends a little bit more time actually discussing philosophy as it relates to the world that they're in that just happens to also relate to our world. And so one is all, all is one. The concept, pretty simple, uh, pretty similar to the circle of life from Lion King, which is, uh, you know, he, he says something about like, oh, if I, if I don't eat this animal, I will die. But if I die, then my body will get eaten by, you know, the ants or it will decompose and become the grass and the rabbits will eat it. And it's that circle of life idea that like we are all connected. He says a sentence like, I, you know, I gain I, I get my life by consuming other life, which I thought was really interesting because, you know, that's how humans live. Uh, you know, we eat animals and we eat plants and those things are alive and, you know, we can eat. I don't know, we eat rocks, we eat salt, but, uh, you know, that doesn't really have nutritional value on its own. And so it's like, you know, it plays into this idea of like the human condition and it, it presents this, he expounds on it to go sort of go like universe wide about like how everything is connected and we're all kind of one part of one whole. And it's really great. Um, but it also plays into the storyline here, which is, Alchemy is about taking one thing and turning it into another thing. It is about equivalent exchange, which is paying for what you're doing with something of equal value. And these things are not, they they are in step with this concept of like everything in the universe is connected to everything else and all life, you know, is sort of bound together with all other life. And it's great because the alchemical principles in this could be applied in real life to, you know, the idea of pain, you know, the equivalent exchange can, can be applied to like your behavior in real life, but it does not let you do anime magic alchemy. Whereas the sort of philosophy that Ed is bringing here actually like plays into our real lives while also having a different meaning in the story here. And it's just really good writing. And this series is going to continue to have really good writing of this style where it just blends theme with what's happening in universe and out out of universe so well and so seamlessly yeah um and that takes us to the final part which is that uh zumi takes them on she trains them she also reveals that she can create a alchemy uh or create alchemy by not using a circle a transmutation circle instead she claps her hands together much like ed does now in order to create alchemy that means that she has also seen the truth which means that she has performed the taboo thing that we have not mentioned yet is that Izumi keeps on spitting up blood randomly throughout this. And it turns out the reason why she did that, she is doing that is because part of her organs are gone because she committed the taboo as well, trying to bring back her child that she lost in childbirth. And, uh, because of this, she saw the other side. She saw the door. She saw the truth. Um, and so that she she can do this now, but 
because of that, she has this immediate connection with Ed and Al when she realizes that they have also committed the taboo. And she's like, it's okay. It's okay to be upset and to feel bad because Ed and Al keep on telling everybody that it's fine. They're going to continue on and they're going to be strong and they're going to do this. And she's like, I understand you. I've been there too. We're all, you know, we're we're not able to do this and it's okay to feel things. And that has this very poignant, amazing moment that ends this episode where she's just holding the boys and they finally have a moment to crack and break down in front of her. And it is just a beautiful moment. This show is so good. And I swear, man, I just, I want to watch this instead of what we're going to be watching next week, but whatever. <sighs> Stick with us after we'll be these watching good stuff next week, anyways. <laughs> Stick with us after these credits. We'll talk about what's coming on next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of the Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind. At the Geekly Grind. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Kill a Kill, episodes 19 through 21. Well, and I haven't seen those, but one thing you said about the truth reminded me of a show I have seen back in my youth called From G's to Gents, which is an MTV reality television series where misguided young men are challenged to become gentlemen. And there yeah. was a character on it named The Truth. <laughs> And they have to, like, vote people off, and one of them thought that the truth should go, and so he started getting everybody to vote for him by going, vote for the truth, that shit's a lie, and that just lives with me to this day. And I wanted everyone to know that. Yeah, so this is why I usually do the outros. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, let's stick with it. We'll, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>